Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. From Advent to Christmas to Epiphany, through the season of Lent and Holy Week and finally to Easter and then Pentecost, all through the Christian year, we in the church tell the ongoing story of God's grace-filled action of infinite love in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing, awe-inspiring story. But now, with the day of Pentecost and the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit having been told, it might seem as though the story has reached its conclusion. Or has it? That's the question asked in today's message. Based on Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 40 to 47, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, this is the message we call After the Spirit. And they lived happily ever after. And amen. That's not the end of the sermon. I just thought I'd start that way. And they lived happily ever after. Now, that's how a story really ought to end, right? At least as it pertains to the first part of our text for this morning. I mean, consider, if you will, the narrative arc. Uh, the process, the flow of this part of the biblical story. Think for a moment about everything that brought that group of 12 disciples from where they were, that is, as this rather motley assortment of fishermen, tax collectors, and other assorted outsiders who left everything to follow Jesus, to what they are now. This spirit-filled and spirit-led group of apostles. They were disciples before. They're apostles in whom many wonders and signs are being done and by whose proclamation of good news, a new church is growing exponentially to the point where, where once there were a little more than a handful of believers and now in a single day, no less, the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 persons were added. And as Luke goes on to tell us here, day by day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And it's at this point in this sweeping biblical narrative that, that Luke began in his gospel, and which now continues in his book of Acts, that we're given this incredible description of Christian community as it was truly lived out in the life of this new church. We're told that the believers were all gathered together and that everyone was filled with awe about the signs and the wonders they were witnessing. And along with worship and prayer and devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, they also gave to one another as any had need. And I love this part. They ate their food with glad and generous hearts, lest you think that church suppers aren't a part of our life together. What we got here is worship, fellowship, it's compassion. From the very beginning, these were the marks of the Christian love, of the Christian life and the Christian love. 
And to this day, it remains our model and the ideal of what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be. Or to put it another way, if I might quote Laura Truman of the Forum for Theological Exploration, oh my goodness, she writes, it is beautiful. They are doing theology, they are living together, they are eating together, they are praying together. This is the kind of community, she writes, that most church leaders would give their left foot for. This story of the beginning of the church is just glorious, she says. This is the church alive. This is the church on the move. And so do you see what I mean when I say that this might well be the place to end the story? That now we're at the part of the gospel in which we can gaze upon this amazing new church formed by Jesus Christ himself, crucified and risen, and gathered, led, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. This church that is the model for what we do. And know that from this point on, after everything those apostles had been through, and more to the point through what God had done in the person of the Christ, that they could indeed now live happily ever after. I mean, if I'm making a movie about this, I guess technically, given it's about the apostles and their journey after the resurrection, it would be a sequel, but I digress. If I'm making a movie about the time the Spirit has come in all its power and the believers are praising God and having the goodwill of all the people, this would be the perfect time to fade out and roll the credits. As I said before, that's where the story ought to end, right? Except, if we understand Scripture, not to mention the mission of the church, the answer there would be no. In fact, it can well be said that after the Spirit, that's when the story begins anew. And in many ways, this is the point where our story and truly our mission as believers really comes into the focus. You know, actually, from a narrative point of view, it's interesting to note that following this very grand and very idealistic view of the beginnings of the Christian church, that those verses 42 through 47 that I absolutely love. But after that, Luke, in the telling of this story, immediately kind of pulls back. And he starts to tell a story about how one day... Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. About three o'clock, he says. So you see, one thing we immediately find out is there is already a routine developing in the life of the church. And I don't say that as a negative, nor am I suggesting here that the wonders and signs done by the apostles are in any way diminishing. Because really, if you read on in the book of Acts, and I would encourage you to do that, you'll know that that is not the case. It is an amazing story as it goes on. If anything, in this third chapter, this going up to the temple every afternoon tells us that there's a discipline of prayer and worship that existed from the very beginnings of the church. And it was, as it continues to be, essential to the Christian life. 
Well, so it is on this particular day. And as I said, we have Peter and John on their way to the temple for afternoon prayer. The message refers to it as prayer meeting. I think that's a pretty good way to say it too. And as they pass through the gate of the temple that is known as the beautiful gate, they encounter a man crippled from birth, and he is asking for alms. That is, he is begging passers-by for any kind of handout they might be willing to offer him as one who is poor and needy and handicapped. Now, it is important to note here that we know virtually nothing about this man who is begging. He's not given a name, nor is there much of a backstory about what's brought him to this situation of life. All we really can glean from this text is that being lame from birth, as the New Revised Standard Version puts it, he'd been carried to the gate, as he was every single day, and he had been placed there so that he could beg. And that apparently he had been doing this for quite some time because later on we find out that all the people who entered the temple by this so-called beautiful gate recognized this man as being that guy. You know, one of those people who were always there on the fringes begging for whatever spare change anybody might give him. And so likely what he was doing that afternoon was what he always did, which was was eyes to the ground and arms extended. He would be crying out, literally going, alms, alms, crying out again and again, louder and louder, crying out for money, crying out for something, anything that might help him. Whereas most people going to temple that afternoon sought to ignore the beggar's cries and probably did everything they could to avoid any encounter with him altogether. We're told here that Peter and John heard the man's cries and they stopped. But even more than merely stopping to hear the request, this this is wonderful. Luke tells us that Peter looked intently at him, as did John. And he says to the beggar, look here, look at us. Which as even you and I in these times know, was a pretty radical response. I remember years ago, someone I went to school with was describing to me of her experience one summer living and working in New York City. Now, this girl was not only still fairly young, she was also from Maine, northern Maine, I might add. And so her first instinct on the streets of Manhattan was to smile and say hello to everyone she passed on the street. Hey, how you doing? But, she explained, that exuberant spirit was short-lived. As very quickly, her more streetwise co-worker informed her, that the first rule of walking down a New York City street was not to make eye contact under any circumstances. After all, this is not Bangor, Maine. The thing is, we understand that, right? I understand that. We understand it, especially as it applies to those in this life and in this world, that in all honesty, we would just as soon avoid from that person across the aisle at the supermarket who just 
somehow makes us feel uncomfortable, though we do not know why, to that one who's standing there with a handwritten cardboard sign on the median of Fort Eddy Road. Whether we're driving or whether we're walking, sadly, our first instincts just to keep our head down, pass by, keep moving, and then no problem. You see, sadly, that's too often our attitude. But not so with Peter and John. They look this beggar square in the eye and they pretty much demand that he look back at them in just the same way. And by doing so, they were engaging him. Not only that, though, but they were treating him like a person. Not like that guy, not like those people, but like a person. As a child of God that he is, rather than the nameless beggar that the world has always perceived him to be. And then Peter says something very interesting. He says in the very poetic language of the old King James Version of Scripture, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Or if you prefer a more contemporary translation, how about this from the message? I don't have a nickel to my name, he said, but what I do have, I give you. Now, either way, whatever your translation, what happens next is very telling. Peter then reaches out to the man, reaches out to this hand that had been extended, waiting for alms, and he pulls this man up by his right hand. And when he does so, immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. So strong, in fact, and I love this part of the story, too, that the beggar immediately starts leaping and dancing for joy, praising God for all he is worth, and might I add, totally disrupting any semblance of a serious prayer time that afternoon in the temple. He astonished everybody who had witnessed what had happened to this now former beggar there at the beautiful gate. It's a great story. And this story from Acts serves to tell us that after the Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, after that Spirit filled them with power, the disciples' story was just beginning. It was beginning with their being called to and given the gift of healing in the name of Jesus. Moreover, writes Craig Barnes, it's also a reminder to us that ultimately, in a multitude of ways, not just physical, mind you, or even financial, but also in an emotional, relational, even a spiritual sense, that we're all beggars, really. And it's only in the name of Jesus that we're ever going to get back up on our feet again. And we as believers have the ability, the call, the power to proclaim that name that does get people back up on their feet. But even beyond all of that, friends, what this story proclaims is that all of us, you and you and me, everyone in the sanctuary, all of us who count ourselves as believers, All of us have this ministry of healing and of life in Jesus' name. After the Spirit, you see, there's the church, the church of Jesus Christ. And folks, we are the church.
In the end, you see, it's not all about the almsgiving. Though in Christian love and charity and with creativity, we do do that, and we should. We should be reaching out to those in need, however that may happen, because that is always to be at the center of our mission as believers. But it's not just about that. Likewise, it's not only about the acts of healing. Though I know that there are many of us in this room, myself included, who can tell the stories of how healing prayers and kind words and good gestures and creative spirit-led actions led to healing, the healing of body, mind, and spirit. It's not even about the miracle, per se. Because you know what? Miracles are not always what at first they seem to be or not to be. Sometimes the miracle is with that overwhelming sense of the holy in our midst. In that peace Jesus spoke of that the world can neither give nor take away. That peace that passes our human understanding. That peace that gives us comfort in impossible, impossible situations. See, in the end, this story, our story, is all about this spirit that all of us have been given and this ministry that we all share. It is about the calling we have to be witnesses to all we've seen and heard and received Sometimes by what we say, but always by what we do. And the thing is, friends, we never know exactly how that's going to unfold until it happens. You know, one day we're having this random conversation with a friend or a coworker. Maybe we're just chatting with somebody we hardly know, but suddenly that conversation shifts and those people are pouring out their pain and grief in all its intensity. And suddenly, before you even knew it, the small talk has become something much deeper, something cathartic, something loving. Or maybe you're running an errand and taking care of, the, of a long-dreaded chore, and all of a sudden, this idea comes to you that what you're doing in that moment might be helpful for somebody else whose pride perhaps has long prevented them from asking for any kind of assistance. Or, or you've been wrestling with, with some sort of big decision in your life. You're trying to weigh how what you do changes things for you, and, and, and then all of a sudden you wake up in the dawn of a new day to the notion that your choices might be that which affects your children or your family or or even a hurting world, and that, that changes the whole conversation you're having with yourself and with God. Or, you know what, it could be you're sitting here in the sanctuary right now, this morning. You've been singing the songs, we've been laughing together, we've been listening to the ukulele, you prayed the prayers, you're wondering if the minister's ever going to wrap this thing up so you can go to lunch. And suddenly, in that moment, in this moment, You've been inspired. You're moved somehow, some way, that after you're done here, you're going to call somebody. Somebody who needs to go to lunch with you. Someone needs to get out of the house. Someone who needs 
to have you in their lives. So you go to lunch, and, and maybe you say, oh, how about you come to church with me next Sunday? Who knows? Who knows what the Spirit will lead us to do? Give alms to the poor. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Visit those in prison. Love, cherish, and nurture all of God's children. Be kind for Jesus' sake. Just know, beloved, that however it takes shape and form, this is our ministry, yours and mine. And that God's Spirit comes, and in that God's Spirit comes as we do what we do. It's in that ministry, friends, that beggars become leapers and that miracles happen. I hope and pray that now that the Spirit has come, we will be bold, bold to embrace its power, bold to do God's work in this place, bold to proclaim His good news to the world, and bold to proclaim the healing name of Jesus. In that holy name, may our thanks ever and always be unto God. Amen and amen. And that's the message we've entitled, After the Spirit. It was recorded during our June 16th service of worship at East Congregational Church. By the way, we're now in the midst of our summer season at East Church, and we'd love to have you join us for worship. We gather every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We're located on Mountain Road in beautiful Concord, New Hampshire, and I would love the opportunity to welcome you there. Well, that's it for another installment of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry. I thank you for listening to this podcast. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day. See you soon.